Hello and welcome to Buy Positive. These are your hosts, Mari and MD. And today we will be talking about something that came up uh, after an email we were sent by one of our listeners. You know who you are. And thank you very much for reaching out to us and telling us your story. This episode's topic was inspired by this email, what to do or how to cope with um, a bad, quote-unquote, coming out experience. So by bad, we mean um, not being accepted, um, yeah. feeling rejected, feeling shunned, feeling not feeling heard, and in some extreme cases, you know, being taken to therapy to be cured of the gay. Thrown out of the house, family that... Uh cut all ties um, that is extreme of course and then there's all the as you said the uh, the bad that can actually things can still turn around but the first experience is really painful because there's no acknowledgement or any kind of acceptance from the family or friends where should we start what's coming out i mean i think we've uh, already covered what's coming out maybe a little bit of a of a reminder well, we need to remind people that coming out is not a singular event. That's for sure. Coming out is a lifelong process, so uh, good luck with that. Mm-hmm. It's uh, something we experience almost on a daily basis in small forms. You know, it doesn't have to be, in my opinion anyways, coming out doesn't even have to be explicit. Just mentioning something that you know may expose your sexuality in conversation can be very stressful. So I think in that sense, coming out is more not the results, but the activity of doing it and the the feeling the pressure that comes with it. <laughs> I mean, something that happened to me recently, I got asked why I have short fingernails. So <laughs> for some people, <laughs> for some people that may be a, a coming out statement, <laughs> the response to that question. And and they also the this thing that is um exists for bisexual people is also the coming out coming out to your partner or someone you've started dating or someone you've been already in a relationship with uh that is you know i'm with you but i'm also attracted to people of other genders yeah which can be a little bit of a tricky moment to put it lightly what do you do if you have a bad coming out experience providing that of course first and foremost you're safe you're in a safe-ish mm-hmm. environment at least physically safe what do you do then? I mean, there's a lot to say. Um, I first, I just wanted to add that uh, most studies says that show that coming out is generally a, a good experience, and people who are out uh, show less, you know, mental health issues or risks than people who are in the closet. But it's actually not always the case. And you, I think, you have found some interesting information on that. Yeah, there was a, a recent-ish study about. Um, how outness affects uh, well-being. And uh, these, the, the population studied were lesbian, gay, and bisexual. And guess what? Bisexuals are the only group out of those studied that actually have decreased wellness after yeah. coming out. Logically speaking, and we've covered this on the podcast before, you know, you come out and because the, the pressure of having to hide has eased up, you would potentially feel better, you know, mental health, should, logically speaking, increase, you know, less depression, less anxiety, blah, blah, blah. 
But according to this study, anxiety and depression actually increased in some bisexuals. It also increased um, substance use. It increased, I think, marijuana smoking, which makes sense with the anxiety thing. But it it hasn't reduced that. It hasn't reduced that in uh, all populations. It's very coherent with what we know about the coming up process for bisexual people, where there's generally more fear of being misunderstood and having to explain because it's not just coming out as uh, gay, which is already a huge thing, but also explaining a very delicate situation where, you know, no, but I am attracted to what you expect me to be attracted to, but also to other genders. Uh, so yes, there's a chance I'm going to end up with a man or woman or whatever, you know, depending on your gender, what your family, parents, friends can, could expect. But there's also a high chance that I want. And that's something that's, uh, you know, adds to the, to the pressure. And then, the, I mean, we already talked about that, how making sense of one's sexual orientation might be more difficult when it's not uh, monosexual orientation. And therefore, that's why uh, coming out is generally later for uh, bi plus people than for uh, gay and lesbians. So it's all, all very coherent here. Um, but also coming out is important and because you can't find social support without coming out. That's why we're generally speaking, coming out helps with mental health. And that's what we generally said, is, uh, except for this study, because it, when you're out, you don't have to conceal yourself. So it does reduce that type of stigma, of proximal stigma, the one that is close to you. So your internal, uh, this whole concealment, uh, expectation of rejection lowers because you can be truthful with more people. And the more, the more you're out in your life, in like the most different areas of your life, the better your mental health. I mean, that was as a result of some studies. So you need to come out to have this social support, to have this recognition. So to lower the consulment and to get the, 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 the recognition, the help, the, the support from uh, family, from friends, from co-workers, from people who can support you. It's, it's, and we know it's key uh, in lowering the... Uh, mental health risks in the LGBTQ community. But yeah, coming out is also this huge risk of being rejected, at least at first, because sometimes it can be very difficult at first and then people come around and finally understand. But the first effect can be still pretty terrible, whether it's the one big coming out with your family or just, you know, something that should have been a lot more casual uh, with some new acquaintance or as you say, someone, as I said, someone you're starting dating and it doesn't go well. It's maybe not such a, a big deal than if it's your family, but still it hurts. Still it's difficult to cope. And I think, and that's why we wanted to, to, address, uh, to address that topic today. I think that's to cope with that, we have to, as I said, um, try to make the difference between those, you know, big coming out that you can be prepared for and those casual events where you didn't expect rejection, but it happens. Let's be realistic for a lot of people. They know that they want to come out to their family, that they need to do it, or to some of their friends, but they have, there's a high chance that it's not going to go well. And so I think it's a kind of experience that if you know that it might be a risk for you, you can prepare for. And that might be the first thing that can be done, is to prepare if you say you have a hunch that you're coming out, if you have reasons to believe believe that your coming out experience is not going to be a good one. Um, and that comes from, you know, finding community, social support, 
make sure you have people you can turn to uh, after it's got bad, goes badly. You can even, you know, bring a friend with you, someone you can really count on if it's possible. It's also, it can be also, you know, finding a good therapist, someone you've already worked on the topics, you have already worked on your internalized stigma. You, you work with them to build resources to deal with that and to have an emergency session if necessary afterwards. And it's this kind of solution to prepare. Um, and there's also, generally speaking, what helps to, uh, to deal with bad experiences, to be more resilient. Uh, one of the things is, as I said already, building community, having social support, finding people who understand and you can talk to, but also at the way you're going to react to what's affecting you. And one of that is to work on your emotions and be able to, um, to use your own positive emotions and positive experiences to, uh, to bounce back from all those very negative emotional experiences. Yeah, but, you know, one might argue, and I've had this come up in therapy <laughs> with some clients, that they are in such a place of depression and anxiety that sometimes they don't know what makes them happy. You know, they can't they don't remember having positive experiences lately. Yeah. So what, it, what, what, I mean, I know what I, I'm, I'm doing this as an interview, so I'm going to ask you, what do you, uh, what do you do for clients like that? I mean, there's, I mean, first of all, I want to say that if you're in that place, it's what I was saying about like maybe starting a therapy, working with someone, um, because you can start building up those resources before going to uh, go and come out. You, you don't, you don't go to the, to the battlefield without proper training, but that's almost that. You need to be, um, if you can, you can have someone who helps you uh, build those resources, learn how to use your positive experiences and emotions before you go to, uh, to come out, before you, you're, uh, you decide to make that big thing that is very important, but also can be pretty hurtful. So that the first thing is to actually start working with someone if you are in this, ba- in this place of, such a depression and anxiety in a, in a place where you don't remember what was good and you don't remember the good experiences. So there's first, first and that, and there's, and there's our ways to build up. Remember what those positive emotions are. Um, there are several ways of doing it, depending on how the person reacts, who they are, how they function. But there are very uh, simple things to do. First, to remember, work just on remembering or explaining to the person what it feels like to feel good uh, in the body, work on the sensation, you know, feeling more relaxed, what it feels like for you. And then there are tips to just remember what it is to feel good. It's to focus on really small things that makes you feel good. And it can be something as simple as feeling the sun on your face. But I don't know, what do you do with your clients? Well, first of all, I think before you go to meditate in the sun, you have to make sure that the the person is physically fit and physically yeah. healthy. Absolutely. Um, so that's something that we do. It's it's very basic when you think about it, but as basic as it is, that is also the reason why so many people forget. You know, even people who are considered mentally stable, healthy, forget that they have to be well you know, not sick, they have to eat balanced meals, they have to avoid mood-altering substances, they have to sleep well, balanced in a balanced way, not too much, not like 
14 hours a day, I mean, not too little, <laughs> not like two hours a day. And of course, to get regular exercise if they can, if their body allows them to. Yeah, until so, just move, do, yeah. do something. Yeah. So that's, I think that's step one. And step two is, I mean, for my, for my clients, like you said, it's sometimes important to emphasize the little things in life because, you know, if you have people, especially people who are artists or academics who don't really have very physical jobs, you know, if they sit in the studio or in an office um, most of the day, just having them listen to their favorite song or take care of a plant can make the difference in the world. Some people are also very responsive of actually taking responsibility for something, you know, like, like I said, taking care of a plant, you know, mm. uh, it makes them feel like they are in a way needed in a way yeah. they can build competence in the sense that they feel like they can achieve something. And it doesn't have to be something like, I don't know, writing a PhD in astrophysics. You could build <laughs> mastery in something different. You could be masterful in writing or singing or walking like whatever it is that makes you feel like you have an achievement to be proud of as small as it may be can be a very important step towards if not I mean I don't think there's a way to really get over a bad coming out experience but to turn it into a learning a learning experience instead of a completely negative one I mean there's a lot of things and there's a lot of, of tips to about the emotion and regulation and how to to build the uh, build mastery on that and and I mean build mastery on one side and and also um learn how to notice all those positive things that can happen in a day and that we generally completely disregard even more when we feel depressed but I mean it, we can do probably another uh, um, episode just on that what I wanted to add is also dealing with a bad coming out experience might imply some grieving process as well and I need to understand I mean the thing that's something that people need to understand that they're going to be confronted with a reality which is that maybe their parents their friends the person that they were attached to is not going to accept them or not accept them the way they wa they wanted to or that they're just you know disappointing the best thing is to actually not entirely let go of that person because things can be better but let go of the fantasy that it's going to be all easy and I don't think anyone has that fantasy but still can be there in a corner of your mind even though rationally intellectually you know that it's not going to be easy that your parents are in such a way but especially when it comes to parents or siblings someone you grew up with someone you were very close to it's very hard emotionally to process that they are not able to provide the kind of love that you hope to actually the kind of love that you deserve not right right away and so there's a little bit of a grieving process there um, i think um i think it's also important to note that for for the person who is on the receiving end of the coming out it's yeah. also going to be a grieving process yeah. and i don't really remember if we touched on that but you know even though people may be accepting and hopefully they will be increasingly as time goes by it's still for a lot of parents especially when their child comes out to them as anything other than straight and cis, mm. there is a certain period of, well, I'm, you know, I may not have grandchildren. That's a very common one that people mm -hmm. think, you know, even though there's like plenty of options nowadays, but you know, there's that, you know, 
I'm not going to have a son slash daughter slash whatever in law. I'm not going to have my child will have a very difficult life. That's yeah. that's also a big one because even though, you know, you may live in a in a progressive country, say like living in the Netherlands, life is still harder being queer yeah. um, in a lot of different ways. So and, and most parents understand that and most parents take the responsibility of mourning for their child's future difficulties. So that you also need to remember that this mourning process kind of goes both ways. And so sometimes a bad coming out experience may also just mean that the parent or the whatever person that you come out to just needs more time to go through that mourning period, that denial, that anger, that negotiation, that depression, yeah. that acceptance. It's also accepting, you know, that this whole part of your child that you didn't know about yeah, because I mean, sometimes parents know, and it makes things much easier in a way. I don't um, know. I, I feel like sometimes it's especially when parents go like, "Oh, I've known my entire life. Like I've known since you were two that yeah. you were gay." Sometimes it's like, and you you didn't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> or like you know, yeah, you, you have this big buildup, this big emotional buildup of like yeah. psyching yourself up and coming out to them, and then they're like, "I don't care about yeah. your effort. I knew all along." <laughs> so sometimes yeah. it's like. I mean, still, it's one of the best-case scenarios. Yeah, but it actually can be lived as something a, a little bit hurtful because you're not recognized in in your. I mean, you're accepted. Okay, great, but you're not recognized. Yeah, in the in the hurt and in the in the fact that you've tortured yourself over like for years, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and over something. That's why, like, yeah, for parents, uh, if you know that your child is queer or you have a hunch and uh, please tell them, not tell them like directly, but make it clear that you are cool with it. And if they do come out to you and, and you can see, you know, I'm pretty sure like everyone is nervous coming out at least the first couple of times mm -hmm. and coming out to the important people in their lives. So if they are coming out to you, they're taking the time, they're setting apart the time, they're, you know, writing a speech in their head, um, and they're giving, they're making an effort to, to do this mm -hmm. for you, then yeah. don't discount that effort. Hear them yeah. out. Let yeah. them appreciate being heard. Allow them to exist in this space of safety and, and acceptance. Yeah. Maybe later, yeah. once the, the anxiety and the excitement of the thing has died down, you can, you can start the conversation of, you know, I may have noticed things. I may have yeah. realized that you're different. Yeah. But don't just go in like, yeah. I know, whatever. But it's to come back to what we were saying in our topic. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a two, like, it's like there's two grieving phenomenon, like, parallel. The parents or the person who received the news. Um, even if it's a friend, you know, it's some, it can be like the, oh, I've known you, known you your own life. I mean, we were friends since we were kids. But you're telling me that, and I didn't know. It's like I didn't know you. Or there's, yeah. it's, there's like a you and I need to know. So they have, they have like an adaptation time. Some grieving process and yourself like doing that is kind of also even if the reaction is not that bad you're also saying goodbye to the whole relationship that you had with this person whether the experience is good or bad and even more if it's bad it's i found that yeah that relationship is over maybe it's going to to give way to a much better one honest one but you still have to take the risk of unsettling the balance that existed yeah. And to find something different, something new. And so there's a grieving process in both cases. 
of course, even more if it doesn't go well. And so, as you said, like to 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 uh, to just um, remind people of, there are several theories of grieving, but in in a way, the one that I found uh, I find the most um, accurate in a lot of ways is still the Kubler-Ross one mm. uh, with the five stages of grief. There are like several times seven, but the idea is like the five main stages are uh, are the are the following. It's uh, First, denial. You don't want to accept that it's happening. It's like just you're just in denial of what's happening. Then there, bargaining. You try to find you know, a way to accept it and without accepting it and thinking that maybe there's a way around it, but it's still there. And then when you realize that it's there, there's uh, there's anger. And anger needs to be expressed. I should never uh, lose yourself in your anger, but it needs to be expressed in a way or another. And then there's depression, uh, which is less the longest stage, generally speaking. And then there's acceptance, where you integrate that, yeah, that person is dead or just more that, per- that part of your life. It's that type of relationship, that idea you had of your parents or your friends is dead, it's gone. It's, it's not going to come back. You can use it, you can do something with it, you can actually also build something new with it. And that's the acceptance. And those stages, you don't necessarily go through them in that order. It can come back and forth. It can be at the same time, you can feel more than just one thing at the same time. And to give you an idea, in the GSM, I think it's six months for a grief, a complicated grief after six months. I find that way too short. I'd say that for, for like a something that's really hurting, uh, that's some really important in your life, it's at least a year, uh, if not more. Uh, it takes time. It takes time to, uh, to properly grieve, uh, whether it's someone or something. And I think in any grieving process, be it the grief of, of a loved one or grief of one's heteronormativity, the most important thing is to take care of yourself. Yeah. You know, because as much as the first impulse for a lot of people would be to prove to their parent that they're still the same child they love or to prove to their parent that they're worthy of their love. First of all, you don't got to prove anything. Your parent may have to adjust the way they live. You know, they may have to realize that, yes, their kid is going to be that queer kid in the neighborhood. But Mm -hmm. it, it is a sign of a healthy person to be able to adapt to a new situation. But as I said, you know, there is no need to give into that impulse of proving something to your parents or to your friends or to whoever else. The most important thing that has to happen is that you are safe. You need mm-hmm. to, to take care of yourself and you need to give yourself the love that you didn't get from the person that you came out to. And hence also the importance of social support and be able to find other sources of comfort in your life. Sources of comfort, and I would say sources of validation as well. Yeah. Of, um, course. of course, internal validation is the most important thing. But sometimes, you know, as, rec- as therapists, we recognize that it's very difficult to validate yourself. It's the ultimate goal, <laughs> but uh, it's hard. So yeah. we, we need to turn to other sources. And that's when all the things that we discussed previously come in, mm-hmm. you know, finding positive things in your life, building mastery of things. You know, proving that, you, that to yourself that you are capable of other things. You know, you may not be the child that your parents thought you were, but you may be a fantastic musician or you may be a fantastic 
I don't know, road worker. Like there are so many things that you are good. There are so many things that you are great at that you may not even realize day by day because you're constantly struggling to recognize yourself as a valid person. So take a moment, take a step back, evaluate your life and, and, and really appreciate all the good things that you have done for yourself and for others. And as you said, um, if it doesn't go well and if it's very tempting to try and stay in touch with those people, especially parents mm. or siblings and people who work really close to you and try to, you know, explain, make sure they understand, okay, the one of the things that might be to actually take your distance for a while. Yeah. Uh, because as I said, like, if they're in those grieving process of their own and they're in the anger phase, there's no point. You won't get through to them. Time is your ally in that situation, and it's hard, especially when it's someone you really love and you want some validation from them and you hope it's going to get better very fast, but it might not. Taking some distance and some time is your best ally in that situation. Also because you can take care of yourself. You can find the validation, the comfort, the reassurance somewhere else within yourself, but also with other friends, with people who understand. There you can feel better and maybe you reach a point where those person will be out of their anger stage will maybe start to make some efforts to understand as well and you'll be strong enough to explain at that moment. And I would also say for people whose friends or families come from a conservative background, it may be difficult for them to accept queerness in general. Um, I'm talking, of course, about religion first and foremost I'm talking about more conservative countries and sometimes you know you talk to people and they just go well you know god says that this is not good or whatever mm. which we'll have a separate episode on that but anyway mm. and with those people I would say do not try to use logic do not try to be like well you know the bible teaches compassion so you should be compassionate to me or you, you know because it doesn't work people who are very set in their conservative ways people who are very set in their religious ways are very difficult to get through because it's much easier for them to live according to a certain template, and you don't fit into that template. But the one thing that unites all of humanity, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I'm usually very against using that word, but that's empathy. That is our ability to empathize with each other because that is a genetic thing. It's an inherited trait. I mean, besides the people who are diagnosed psychopaths, everybody has empathy. So if you cannot appeal to the person's logic, if you cannot appeal to that person's sense of common history, then appeal to their empathy. After going through that grieving process, first and foremost, we're all human beings. So if, if you can evoke a sense of empathy in someone, you can connect mm-hmm. to them. No matter where they come from, you know, I'm not just talking about coming out to someone, I'm talking in general, like people of different religions and races and political views all have the ability to empathize with each other. And if it's really not going well, you have to complete rejection had to let it go which may be the hardest thing ever if it's really something that you know if if a relationship with someone dies it's like a person dies and when a person dies we can't get them back we can only accept the fact that they're gone and we can remember the good things that happened in that relationship and turn the grieving into something beautiful so if that's the case then the only thing we can do is let it go and try to remember it positively. To remember, yeah, in the end, to integrate the positive of what once was 
Also, if that relationship was actually more toxic, more hurtful for you than anything else, well, it's good to let go. Even if it's really hard, in the end, it's worth it. Absolutely. Because you may not see it now, and for people who have been in abusive relationships, there is a certain pattern, there is a certain cycle that is hard to break out of. But again, the most important thing is to remember that you are valid and you are deserving of people's love. And the treatment that you have taken from other people, the negative treatment that you have gotten from your abuser is unwarranted. It's not because of who you are. It's not because of what you've done. It's because of that person. Because you're not responsible for that person's actions. You're not responsible for that person's emotions. Your sole responsibility is to yourself. And when that responsibility dictates that you need to leave the relationship, the only thing you can do is leave. But it comes back, all comes back to what we said in the beginning. It's all about if you can, if you really can, prepare yourself, try to have the support you need, uh, social support, groups, people, someone you can relate to and you can talk to. And if you can find a therapist, someone to help you, help build the resources, inner resources that you are going to need or that you need to go over this bad experience. I mean, I can only encourage you to do so and find this, uh, this help and this support from, from peers and from professionals. If our audience would like to share with us their coming out experiences on Twitter or uh, by email, we would absolutely love to hear your stories, be they positive, be they negative, be they something else. Just remember that there are always people there for you. Um, there are people maybe not close to you, but there is a huge online community and you have a great resource in that. If anything, you can always reach out to us and we will always listen. I kind of almost teared up for that. <laughs> um, so we will, um, we will talk to you next week and um, take care of yourselves, all of you, please. <laughs> Bye. Bye.